Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to another wonderful edition of Seen Any Good Films Lately. This is the film podcast for movie recommendations past and present, as each week a top guest shares their movie memories with us as I take them through the famous sagful questions, reminding us why we all love cinema. I just adore Fred Astaire, anything in top hat. My guest this week is Oscar winner Sir Christopher Hampton, fresh from winning Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars and BAFTAs for his work on The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman. Christopher takes us through his film life, from writing Dangerous Liaisons and Atonement, to watching his first film in a tent in the desert. It's fascinating, informative, entertaining stuff, as always, and we'll get right into it after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Restored to a bright sheen and released for the first time in years, Mandabi is a masterpiece of world cinema and I absolutely loved it. I'd never seen it before, but it's by the father of African cinema, Usman Semben, from Senegal, and set in 1968. It's about a pompous peasant man in a poor village who receives a letter from the postman informing him it's a money order, a mandabi, from his nephew in Paris to the tune of 25,000 francs. All this guy, Ibrahim Dieng is his name, all he's got to do is go to the post office and cash it in. Well, that's easier said than done in post-colonial Dakar. And poor Dieng is pushed from pillar to post office and back again. He needs birth certificates and all sorts of ID and photos that he doesn't have. And he's being taxed for it each time. 300 francs here, 300 francs there. Meanwhile, his two wives, yep, two of them, back at home, are being pressed for cash and taking out credit at the local shop for bags of rice. And various characters keep popping up and demanding money or handouts. And when Ibrahim cashes his mandabi, they say, of course, we will pay you. I adored this film. The colours, the clothes, the surreal yet debilitating bureaucratic nightmares, the little details of everyday life that build up to tell the story and the character. It's so skillful and economical and so resonant. It's got something of the, the fable about it, but I suppose that's more like the griot, the, uh, the storytellers of Senegalese culture. Anyway, mandabi. I order you to see it. Also high on the must-see list at the cinemas now is The Father. I know I've been on about it for a while, but you haven't been able to see it. And all the time, Anthony Hopkins has been getting his Oscar for it. And my guest, Sir Christopher Hampton, along with his co-writer and the film's director, Florian Zeller, got their awards too for brilliantly adapting Florian's original stage play. What are you doing here? What do you think? Huh? So what happened? Nothing. Oh, tell me. I just did. Nothing happened. 
Nothing happened. Oh. I've just had her on the phone. So what does that prove? You can't go on behaving like this. It's my flat, isn't it? <laughs> this is incredible. You burst in on me as if I have no idea who she is, this woman. I never asked her for anything. She's here to help you. Oh, tell me do what? I don't need her. I don't need anyone. Christopher is a veteran playwright, filmmaker and screenplay genius with film credits such as Carrington, which he directed himself, Dangerous Liaisons from his own stage play, The Atonement for Joe Wright, The Quiet American, A Dangerous Method for David Cronenberg, and translations that range from Moliere to Ibsen and Yasmina Reza. He's basically a main man on stage, screen and script. So I began by congratulating Sir Christopher Hampton on his wins and finally getting the film out of award ceremonies and into cinemas. Thank you very much. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I saw it in the, uh, on the big screen. First time in the cinema this year, and it, it really was thrilling to see it. Yeah, that was with me. There. That was that was up. That was yeah. us doing a Q and A at the French Institute. What perfect place to do it because yeah. it has a sort of French feel to it. Uh, obviously, translated from Florian Zeller's uh, original, but yeah, and yet it you know you, you made it into English. You made it Anthony Hopkins. There's a there's a real London feel to it as well. I don't know. Is that because it's a very easily transposable story, or or is that because you specified it into English? Yeah, yeah. I think it is a quite quite a universal story. But but actually, Florian has this thing about English actors. He's uh, you know since we've started working together, he really likes working with English actors. So right from the start, his notion was to set the piece in London rather than in Paris. And uh, sideways to that, he had he was sort of obsessed with. Getting, getting Anthony Hopkins to be in it. As I say, I've seen it several times now and it just grabs you every time. Little different things grab you every time. Obviously, there's Anthony's performance and uh, seeing it on the big screen, you could sort of see every glint in his eye, every little twinkle, every little facial muscle uh, that Anthony pulled. And the same with Olivia Coleman as well, who I, I, don't, I don't want to overlook her in this, but when you see the film again, you realise that her performance is, is, is equally as majestic as Anthony's, I think. She's absolutely great in it and, and really suffers on our behalf, really, in the film. And she's so moving and, and um, uh, truthful in it. Uh, of course, by the time we got to the actual nitty-gritty of casting, her, the favourite had come out and... Uh, so everybody knew who she was. I think it's one of those things that the favourites come out and you think, well, that's an amazing performance, an Oscar-winning performance. And yet, and, and it's still the same actress, very much the same actress, but so far removed. And yet only only a little bit different in, in, in terms of Olivia Coleman physicality, but such a far removed character. That's her real skill, it seems to me. She just has a sort of a completely unforced sense of... Um authenticity mm. which is so you completely believe her in whatever she does so you wrote anthony hopkins down you're thinking all right anthony did you think of him when you're sitting there type type i do writing i don't i presume you I did. I presume you've come to come to typing these days christopher no i still write with the old fountain pen you do oh, i thought uh, you'd given up <laughs> first draft yeah but uh, yes no i thought of him as his voice was very much in my head when i was writing his dialogue but he's got such a distinctive delivery uh, you know the way that he kind of quite he, he can sort of speed up in the middle of a sentence and spit them out and got to fire them. Uh, that did that help you with the musicality? It did actually, yes, it did. And I'd worked with him twice before, a long time ago. I, I'm, I'm, the first uh, screenplay of mine that got made was A Doll's House in 
1973 uh, that he was in. And then in the, in the mid 80s, I did a, a film called The Good Father. Did he remember you so from I... those? Or did... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think it might have got got us, helped getting getting us through the door at the beginning. Well, plus you've done this, you've done this a bit before as well, he, he, even, even mm-hmm. if it, you're still in Fountain Pen. I, did, I can't believe you're still doing that. So why do you still use Fountain Pen? I, I just like the rhythm and I like it, it. It works at the right speed for me. Wow. So uh, are there a collection of Christopher Hampton all, all handwritten uh, uh, sort of first drafts? Yeah, all in a, pen? yeah there's a couple, a couple of hundred notebooks uh, somewhere. Yes. Fantastic. Well, some, I mean, some, some of them, some will be uh, not, I'm sure they're all precious, but some will be worth more than others in terms of like the first draft of Liaison, the first draft of The Father. Uh, you know, these are Oscar winning, Oscar winning artifacts. Yeah. I think what might be interesting for people is that the first draft of Liaison and of The Father are both pretty close to what we finished up with. Ah, which is, I mean, for Liaison, that kind of has a, you know, it's such a writerly exercise in the first place. That that would make sense that that was written, like, you know, letter by letter, quill by quill, you know, on, on, on not on the back of a of a young woman, perhaps, but, you know, <laughs> that, would, that would suit. <laughs> have you seen any good films lately, Christopher Hampton? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? Well, I did actually see a very interesting documentary yesterday called State Funeral which is a compilation of, of stock footage, really, of, of the days around um, after Stalin's death and leading to his state funeral. This is a Sergei uh, Loznitsa, isn't it? Yeah, and it's presented without, without comment, really. But it's, it's really fascinating to watch. And it's very interesting to me because I've written a screenplay based on Julian Barnes's novel about, uh, about um, Shostakovich. The noise of time, and that particular day features quite heavily in the screenplay because when, when the whole of Russia was standing to attention, watching Stalin being carried away, Prokofiev had also inconveniently died at the very same moment, and they were trying to proceed with his funeral, you know, counterflow to these vast crowds. So it was, so it's almost a sort of comic scene, trying to bury poor Prokofiev in the middle of all <laughs> yeah. this. Mayhem. Because uh, I mean, uh, I, I thought death, the de- death of Stalin, the the Mando Yanucci yes. sort of farce around it. Yeah. Did did he yeah. did, did, did did he get close to? Do we get close to any Loznitsa? Because I haven't seen State Funeral yet. It, it it's just fascinating because it's so it goes to every corner of um, this vast, you know. And there's a long sequence when all the leaders of uh, Iron Curtain countries arrive arrive in the in the snow in Moscow. And finally, Harry Pollitt from the Communist Party of Great Britain um, steps rather sort of grandly off the plane, and so on. It, it, it and it uh, it just shows you without comment what happened on those days, Amazing. and then just says at the end, you know, uh, by the way, Stalin killed thirty six million people, and six years later he was denounced, and then his body was taken out of this mausoleum. So it 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 unleashes a lot of reflections. Really? Yeah, I suppose on um, history and how we tell it and who tells it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. If you have a an escapist tendency, Christopher, what do you what do you watch? I watched a couple of films recently, uh, both about children, really, I suppose, or people in an alien uh, surrounding. One was Minari, which I absolutely loved. I thought it was a beautiful film. Yeah, the Korean uh, film, well, Korean American. Yeah. And the other film was actually a much chillier piece, which is called The Painted Bird. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yes. Well, that's a, a sort of a Holocaust movie of some. You know. It is. Well, it's, it's about a boy. You don't even know that it's the, at that period at first, because it could be, you know, he's wandering through this blasted landscape on his own. He's somehow uh, been abandoned. It's quite a long time since I saw it now, a few months. And uh, 
I must say it sticks very hard in your mind. It certainly does. I mean, those images are seared. Son of Saul is probably about the closest I've seen in the terms of the sort of the tableau that he goes through. And it, it does have a, a sort of Russian element to it as well. I was reminded, you know, of those, uh, those, those amazing films. And yet it's like, like, like nothing else, really, Painted Bird. Uh, what was the first film you ever saw at the cinema? Easter Parade. Ooh. <laughs> ah, lovely I was in, in a tent in Aden where my father was working at the time and I, I do remember it I was about I think I must have been four probably I do sort of remember it those huge images it's a, it's a, it's a, campus chairs in the yeah. desert <laughs> right in a, in, a, in a tent um, and why do you think that stuck with you I mean I saw it actually uh, on a, a lockdown afternoon I just happened it happened to be on uh, and I just fancied a matinee, you know, and it just there it was, and uh, my wife and I sat on the sofa and didn't move for the the, the two hours of it. Completely yeah. enchanted by it. It's a, a lovely film. Um, yeah, I have I have uh, fond but vague memories of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of swells is in it, isn't it? By just uh, yes, that's right. Walk down the avenue, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it made made me laugh. All the, all, I mean, I sat there with a smile on my face all the way through the Easter parade. Yeah, that's right. All the way to the end. We would drive up the avenue, but we haven't got the price. We would skate up the avenue, but there isn't any ice. We would ride on a bicycle, but we haven't got a bike. So we'll walk up the avenue, yes, we'll walk up the avenue. And to walk up the avenue's what we love. What uh, was a film that changed your life, Christopher? And I mean this by either by watching it and you and you had such a sort of visceral reaction to it or and uh, by working on one, as you have done on so many. Well, I suppose Dangerously is not really did change my life because it was the, the first of the films. It was my sixth film as a writer, I think, but it was the one that, that kind of changed my changed my life, really. What, in terms um, of catapulting so you to, to you know, Hollywood. Yes, and I think about it very, very affectionately because it was an extremely happy experience and we had a wonderful summer in Paris and, uh, it, you know, just everything went right. Mm. Uh, um, and and, 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 given, and given that you'd done it so successfully on the uh, as a stage play, I, I guess there were probably there, there, there's there's as much room for error as there is for success in that. It could have, could have all gone terribly wrong given that you knew it so well. Well, yes, but of course, it, one of the advantages was that Stephen Frears is not a not a man you will often catch in the theatre, so I didn't think he'd seen it as a play. And um, and I, I, again, I was very anxious to to make to make it into a, a a proper film because I sensed that you know the very early efforts I had, like like Doll's House or my second film, which was from a play called Tales in the Vienna Woods. They, looking at them, you know, looking at them now, they do seem a bit stage bound. With Liaison, it was easier to go back to the novel and uh, um, I'd had to rearrange all the geography um, of the of the novel for, 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 to get everyone in the same room for the stage. And I was able to go much more, much more back to the, the structure of the novel. Yes. Um, so, so it's pretty different. Yeah, well, it's, it's just it's just sumptuous to look at. What a cast as well. I mean, it was a great cast then, but it still remains. You know, Glenn Close is towering. Uma Thurman obviously goes on to be a great diva, and uh, and then Keanu is still, you know, was was a has, was a huge star even even then. I think so. You know, what a what a fantastic legacy. Yes, no, no, we had we had uh, we had all the actors were great. And John Stephen was in his element because um, he was very thrilled to have Mildred Natwick in the cast because his great hero 
as a director as John Ford. And she had worked with him a lot. So he was often to be found in a corner chatting to her about John, John Ford. <laughs> That's what he wanted. Uh, yeah, I, I ca I'd cast... I cast John Malkovich and Glenn close because we 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 were in such a we were in such a rush to get the film made because Milos Forman down the road was in Burgundy was making a a different version and we had to we felt we had to be be out first. Yeah, and you managed, but you you got the title because he had to call it Valmore. Yes. Uh, so you had the rights. To, did you, is, is that how it goes? You have a rights to the. I mean, yeah, no rights at all. It's out of copyright. It was written in seventeen sixty two or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's right. <laughs> Bastide's priority, you see, is a guaranteed virtue. I wonder if I'm beginning to guess what it is you're intending to propose. Bastide is with his regiment in Corsica for the rest of the year. That should give you plenty of time. You mean to? She's a rosebud. You think so? And he'd get back from his honeymoon to find himself the laughing stock of Paris. Well. Yes. Love and revenge. Two of your favorites. So where were you filming? We had to, we, uh, our budget was quite constrained, actually. It was, a, I say it was quite constrained, $14 million. Uh, actually, the father was made for five, but, um, but, but um, we, we could only choose locations that were, within a drive of um, of the center of Paris so that so that people didn't have to move or you know um, be rehoused or whatever and um, and uh, you know we were in a we were in a absolute rush I mean it's a miracle that the film looks so wonderful that's down to Stuart Craig and uh, James Atchison who did the costumes wow and, was that Stuart Craig production designer right yeah wow yeah yeah and he had I think he had 10 weeks to design it he, he was that was most impressive. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful film. It's a, it's, a, it's a film that saved my life because it came out just as I was doing uh, studying the uh, the Eighth and Doctor as as a novel for my Oxford exams, and I was a little bit sort of confused. I was a little bit like unsure what was going on thematically, and I went to see your play, and then the film came out, and I was like, "Oh, this is it all clicked for me." So, Good. had you studied it as a student as well? Yeah, no, that's how I came across it. It was uh, right. my uh, I read it in my first term at Oxford. Yes, same, exactly the same with me. There you go. And I went with a girl who I felt, fell very much in love with, actually, watching that film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to her, it's all your fault, um, although I'm not with her. Um, what about a film that changed your life from actually watching? That had that, that, had that I film? think, when I, you know, when I was very, very young, I mean, quite unsuitably young, I was spent the years from five to ten in Alexandria in Egypt. And um, my father was really keen on the movies. And so we used to go two or three times a week. And the, they didn't have classification there at all. So so we just went and saw whatever was on. And I suppose I must have been about eight when uh, when I was taken to see East of Eden. I didn't really understand it all that much, but uh, but it had a really profound effect on me. I, th I kind of became very interested in acting, I think. Was it James Dean that you... It was James Dean. Yeah, it was James Dean. But, but also Joe Van Fleet and you know, Raymond Massey and so on, I mm. suppose. I was just riveted by it. Have you and seen it since, or do you prefer to leave it? Yes, I have, mm. several times. In fact, about 10 years ago, I, I, wrote a, I wrote a screenplay for Universal based on East of Eden. When they first came to me, I said, you know, are you insane? This is masterpiece. And then they said, have you read the book? And of course, if you read the book, which is about a novel, which is about 600 pages, the stuff with James Dean and, and so on doesn't start at about page 450. So it's, the novel is really about 
the of Joe Van Fleet and Raymond Massey and their ba- and their backstory. Yes, life in its every emotion leaps from the pages of John Steinbeck's best of all his bestsellers. And to bring new vitality to every explosive chapter, to capture for you the stark realism of people who love so deeply, hate so fiercely, live so recklessly, Warner Brothers had to seek out vibrant new personalities, tap new sources of talent, create new stars. James Dean as Cal, the wildest boy you've ever met. Julie Harris as Abra, the most outspoken girl you've ever known. Joe Van Fleet as Kate, the most wicked woman you've ever seen. And all the other memorable figures who form a dramatic cavalcade that moves across California's lustiest era and her most colorful locale. How come you did it? Did what? Shot my father. Because he tried to hold me. He tried to tie me down. Nobody holds me. Did you watch any films for for this, for the, for the father? Did you watch anything, visual references? I didn't, no. I, 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 but I do when, I, when I'm directing a film, which hasn't happened very... I've only done three films. I, I I tend to look for and find a film that that I that I watch a lot, you know, at the, you know, the weekends when I'm just to sort of, I mean, for example, Carrington, my my first film. Yeah, lovely film. I wanted to, I, I I'm, I mean, it's a very tragic story, but I wanted to keep it very light, and so the film I kept watching was Julie Jim, which is one of the rare films that is a is a sort of tragedy, but it's very very light. Mm. Uh, 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 and the tone is very unsolemn. Did you have a poster on your wall as a as a teenager, no. as a student? No, I didn't. I do now. I, I actually have an enormous poster of Carrington, uh, <laughs> from which um, Norma Hayden gave me as a present after uh, after Cam, which um, uh, is just a vast, you know, photo of. Uh, Jonathan Price and Emma Thompson. Yeah, beautiful. But with with the little official selection, I hope is it is it the French poster? Oh yeah, no, no. Actually, with, with the two things about the prizes, we got two prizes, which was which was pretty pretty. Uh, oh yeah, keep nice. that, keep that one, and that's the only one you've got still. Well, actually, I've, I've got a huge uh, postage of uh, poster of Anthony um, in the Good Father, in an, but but these are all sort of scattered around my um, my office in London. Yeah. Well, it's good to remind yourself that, you know, what you're writing sometimes has a sort of an end game and it's up there. Uh, if, I, if I could give you the power of time travel, Christopher, and you could go back to any set, because it seems to me that you're a writer, unusually for a writer, you, you actually go to quite a lot of sets yourself, which seems to be unusual. Uh, but I'm gonna, you can go to any set, any director, any film being made, any day, either for the whole shoot or just for a day or a certain scene. Where would you go? I, I think I'd really like to go on the set of be on the set of some like it hot um because uh, I, I know that first of all the film is immensely enjoyable but i know the thing about making comedies is that they're often very fraught and painful and uh, anxiety inducing and i, I i'm I, and of course you know marilyn monroe couldn't remember her lines all the time and uh i just think it would have been very very interesting to to, to be a fly on the wall but i'd also i'd love to have been on one of bunuel's sets you know <laughs> a bel de jour or something yeah <laughs> uh, and have him you know he he had a at the end of every shooting day he um he made his own version of negroni which was called a bunuelloni oh what's in a uh, bunuelloni i don't i can't remember actually it's in john claude carrier's <laughs> that's, book that's why they're so good the bunuelloni because you can't remember what's in them <laughs> you can't remember what the hell's in surreal them. cocktail uh, 
But I just like the idea of, uh, you know, a director making uh, making everybody a cocktail at the end of the day. It's very, it sounds very civilised, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, you would go to the French period of him rather than go off to Mexico or, you know... Uh, yeah, I don't think you'd be very comfortable on the set of Los Olvidados. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pick wisely. That's, I could see you're someone who, who chooses a nice set to go to, Christopher. <laughs> Have you ever fallen in love at the movies? Uh, not as, no, I don't think not as such. But I did, um, uh, my first uh, date with my wife, Laura, was, uh, was at The Graduate. And we're still together. So I imagine... Uh... Uh, well, you, well, you outlasted Ben and Elaine. Indeed, we did, um, and that it was in that when in the old days when Kensington Odeon was all one huge, lovely cinema. Oh, yes. that was a, it was a giant, wasn't it? Now it's sort of yes. in, in three. No, it's not there. It's anymore. not even there, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so that was your date. Well, that's not bad, is it? Then, yeah. What? My husband will be back quite late. He should be gone for several hours. Oh my God! Pardon? Oh no, Mrs. Robinson. Oh no. What's wrong? Mrs. Robinson, you didn't... I mean, you didn't expect... What? I mean, you didn't really think I'd do something like that. <laughs> like what? What do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. For God's sake, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Here we are. You got me into your house. You give me a drink. You put on music. Now you start opening up your personal life to me and tell me your husband won't be home for hours. So? Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Well, no, I hadn't thought of it. I feel very flattered. Mr. Robinson, will you forgive me for what I just said? It's all right. It's not all right. It's the worst thing I ever said to anyone. Sit down. Please forgive me because I like you. I don't think of you that way, but I'm mixed up. It's all right. Finish your drink. Mr. Robinson, it makes me sick that I said that to you. Well, forget it right now. Finish your drink. Who's your favourite screen hero? I think I, I think Gerard Depardieu in Cyrano de Bergerac. I, I mean, he's so t he's so brilliant and he's so touching, and the character is so sympathetic. Yeah, yeah so it's a wonderful, wonderful performance. In fact, your your one of your uh, ex collaborators, Joe Wright, who you made atonement with. I think he's off. I think he's making a Cyrano. This is his next project. Is that right? Yes, I believe so. Is this wise? I don't know. <laughs> It's a good idea. You need to find someone that, that can. Well, I mean, you know, um, Roxanne, wasn't it that um, Steve Martin did? Yes, that was good. That was really enjoyable. Lovely, lovely take on it, and, they, and you could not get more removed from, you know, from the from the Depardieu, uh, Cyrano. So, you know, there's a. I suppose you can you can do do things with it. What about a screen musical moment? I just adore Fred Astaire. Yeah. Anything in Top Hat or I can't remember which film it is. The what the one where he and Ginger sort of sail off the screen at the end. Uh, oh, which one's that? At the end. Um, I'm thinking of the one that they do cheek to cheek that's in uh, Purple Rose of Cairo. Top hat. Yeah, it's Top Hat, yeah. But that's in the garden. Uh, I don't know what they thought. They, they sail away. Mm. Yeah, they just, they, just, like, they just disappear out of the side of the screen like Nijinsky. <laughs> uh, and it's really, uh, it's really, it's really gorgeous. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Easter Parade, he's amazing. And I just, he's extraordinary, yeah. Strongly to watch that fluidity, that ease. I think, I think he was a very. I think he must have been. Well, I, I have no, don't really know much about him. He, he strikes me as a very sort of modest figure, but 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 he's he was just incomparable at what he what he what he did. I, I mean, uh, and it, you know, you could talk to if you talked to Nureyev, he would have said Fred Astaire is wonderful. Yeah, Michael Jackson used to say it. You know, so it goes on, and no one's done. 
Fred Astaire since. I think the the, the the angle of the head, the sort of you know the, yep. the seeming ease of the body. I'm sure he rehearsed an inch of his life, and if he got a step wrong, he probably shouted you out. I think there was yes talk of feet bleeding. Yeah. Of people <laughs> <work> with it. <laughs> Where's your favourite cinema? Well, you know, all those in Alexandria, all all those cinemas were being built while I was there, and they they built them in the late forties and early fifties, and they were like. Um, they were like sort of 2000 seat Art Deco palaces and very few of them are there now. There was one called the Amir that I remember particularly. It was uh, uh, just, it was just like, that was part of the enchantment of going to the cinema were, were that these, there were these huge cinemas, brand new. I mean, I think the Amir opened in 1952 with All About Eve, so. Hey, and were you there for that one? I might've been, I mean, I wasn't there for the opening, but I might've been, I might've gone to see All About Eve. Fantastic! Wow. <laughs> uh, and what about the best screening? I mean, we're like, we're lucky. We go to some you know momentous screenings, and you've had you know several you know Cannes, and you've been the Oscars, Baftas. I don't know, but is there a momentous screening that either one of your films or one that you've attended? Well, I think the first, the first screening of Carrington anywhere because we it was one of those things where we they accepted the film and there was a tremendous rush to get it finished. And the first screening was in the, the Palais du Cinema. In, in, in Cannes, and I, 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 I don't think I've ever been so terrified in my life. I so you did the red sat, carpet. Yeah, I sat, I sort of sat down in my dinner jacket, and I thought, uh, "This is insane. These are, there's three thousand people here, and uh, it's my first film." And, and then they always had a, a, a short before every film. Ah, at Cannes, they 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 would often. Uh, you probably don't get that in the journalist screenings, but no, but they. You know, do a five-minute short or something like that. During the five-minute short, the film broke. So <laughs> then another further ten minutes of terror while, the, while everything was repaired. Um, and then there was a standing ovation at the end. It was uh, it was an amazing evening. Could, could you read the room during it? Did you know? Yeah, I could. I could. People were laughing, and well, you know that's always a good sign. Although it's yeah. not a comedy as such, but. No, but there's some funny lines. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hope they were crying a bit too. That's <laughs> got, got some emotion. Yeah, yeah, so you never know if you've got it. Well, did they like it? Did they, and then you get this, you know, this 15-minute standing ovation. Do you, do you, I mean, I've never asked anyone, but do you know what the hell to do while that's happening? I mean, you must have this rictus grin on your face. So I don't know what to do during those. I know that my third film, which was Venice, which is called Imagining Argentina, which is also with Emma Thompson, uh, and which was not well received, but nevertheless, at the screening at Venice, there was uh, like a ten-minute standing ovation. And I remember Emma, about sort of six minutes in, saying to me, uh, "For God's sake, let's get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we sort of, you know, because in and it's quite right in the end, there's a limit to, to the facial expressions you can deploy. <laughs> so, um, so we did. We actually slipped away. Um, and they're still going. going <laughs> they're still clapping. Damn it! Stop. Probably very, very um, uncivil. But anyway, we, uh, you know, we did seven minutes of it. Um, it's a lovely memory. What? Um, what's the favourite film location that sticks in your mind? Either that you filmed in, or that you've seen on screen and thought, "Wow." Well, I, I, you know, I love Venice, and as it so happened, the very first day of my shooting of my first film which was Carrington we, we shot for I think two or three days in Venice so I actually started my career as a director by 
lying in the bottom of a gondola shouting Azione. <laughs> <laughs> but I but in Don't Look Now, for example, Venice is so brilliantly used. Or, you know, was that, was that a template for, for Carrington? I mean, every time you use Venice, it's sort of no, it, not it sort of haunts right. it. it was just no different atmosphere. It, it, no, not really. It was a different atmosphere. So, so, but I wanted, I, I did, I, I looked, found one of those very sort of twisty back canals and to, 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 it's only, it's only in the film for a couple of minutes, but, uh, but that's where I started. Yeah. Do you go back to Venice? Often, I mean, not, not just for the film festival. Do you go and, I don't know, go there for inspiration? I haven't been, I haven't been uh, for quite a while now. Uh, I haven't. I'd love to get back to Italy. Anywhere in Italy is good Good for me. I just, I've always loved Italy. Probably Venice won't let you back in. It's that bloke that sneaked out of the screening. We were giving him a standing ovation and he buggered off with Emma Thompson for dinner. I don't, yeah, but there was also the, the I think I think it was, I think it was booed in the press screening. It was booed so, in the press screening. Uh, I was, I was there. <laughs> it wasn't was me another, booing, as it happens, I have to tell you. No, another reason not to go back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, not a sour note on which to end because I don't think the father's got. No, 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 no. Because no, actually, we, we, uh, Atonement opened the Venice Film. Festival, it did. So I did. Uh, I went back for that. Yeah, great. that was a wonderful night. I was there when I mean, and uh, with, with Joe and well Rosamond at the yeah. time, and then and got the yeah. boat over back to the hotel and the cast. It was, mm. that, that went down an absolute storm. I mean, that really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And still a gorgeous film, yeah. The Atonement, yeah. So were you there on the beach? Talking of going to locations, were you there on the? Well, I know you visit sets. Were you there on the beach when Joe yeah, did the? That was astonishing. Yes, although I, I didn't wasn't on the set much for Atonement because I sensed very early on that Joe would rather, you know, we just assumed I wasn't. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, but I did want to go. I, I was there. I was there in the scenes with Jeremy Renier because I can speak French uh, and was therefore useful. But I wanted to, I wanted to see that um, amazing uh, Peter Robertson, the Steadicam guy. Yeah, was that was it. that in the script? Was that in your script? I mean, you can't write a write a scene. Like well, that actually, it's, it's a it's a real really good uh, illustration of necessity being the mother of invention because quite um, sort of more or less at the beginning of pre-production, we were told to take five million dollars out of the budget, and so we kind of thought that would probably sensibly fall on the section um, where the soldiers marched through France and, and all the way to Dunkirk. Mm. So what we did was we took three or four of these sort of incidents that were in the script that happened on the way and put them all into one big sequence because Joe very sensibly said, well, we, we, we need to get 1,500 extras, but we'll only need them for two days or one day or whatever. Yes, two days, I think. And, uh, and, and, we, if we do, if we get everything into that one shot, we, you know, it, it, it'll save a, it'll, it, it did save a colossal amount of money doing it that way. But and it, and it's sort of unforgettable sequence. Shot of the century, I believe. Uh, Seamus was given yeah. for that. I think, yeah, I think he's well. Oh, in, wow. in, in, when when they when they dole these things out, yeah, I think so. Absolutely, well, it was nominated for and ne nearly got there. So, yeah, congratulations on that. Uh, look, it's been. I can't wait for everyone to see the father. Uh, but it, we've still got the mother and the the mother to come. Is that next or the son? Le fils is next. Son, the son actually started pre-production today. Oh, congratulations! Why well, you're not there? No, no, no. It's a pre-production. Is a, um, folks talking about money? I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have got work to do still, and we start. But we start shooting. Uh, we start shooting uh, the middle of August. And you're you're going to visit that set? I I am. I'm going to because in fact we're going to be shooting. Although it's set in New York and Washington, the bulk of the shooting is going to be done here in, in England. 
Oh, brilliant. And this is with Hugh Jackman and uh, Laura Dern, isn't it? Yeah, Laura Dern, Vanessa Kirby, and a very small part for Anthony Hopkins. Ah, very well. He owes you a favour, I suppose. <laughs> How fantastic! And the, and then is there is there plans for the the mother as well? That uh, you've written. We haven't talked about that yet. Okay. It's, actually, the mother is the earliest of the the three. I know that Isabel Upper is very very keen to to do it because she's done it on stage. Mm. And so you know, having done the having done the father in England and um, the son notionally in America, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do the mother in France, or maybe that you know maybe it'll be a French film. Why not? Or maybe we'll with these... But I think I think they should definitely make it because yeah. I think that there's a sort of theme thematic. Yeah. Uh, kinship between with, Isab- with Isabelle Huppert you never know I mean, she'll, she'll, she'll be filming in Korea with Hong Sang Soo and you know, she'll, she'll come back if you saw that episode of Call My Agent with her you'll know that uh, she does she doesn't uh, doesn't stop that one so uh, yeah you, you, but she yeah. likes to work she yeah. likes to work well yes. we all do yeah, we all do but she's as, she's astonishing yeah well, look, the best of luck. I, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see uh, the, the results of the of the father as well. Uh, well, and how that does at the box office. I'm, I'm really hoping that get people go back to the cinema to see it because uh, you know I, I think it's a, a real mm. big screen thing. Even though it's as you say, interior and Anthony and, and Olivia are just extraordinary in it. And uh, thanks very much for joining me on on seeing any good films lately, Christopher. Been a great guest. Thank you, Jason. What a great guest Christopher Hampton was. Fond memories from a brilliant film career there. So many recommendations in it too. From Easter Parade and East of Eden to the New Dock State Funeral and news of his latest adaptations in the pipeline. That's all you get on Seen Any Good Films Lately. And the big interview on Seen Any Good Films Lately is supported by Strike. All the spirit, none of the alcohol. And right now, they're available for summer refreshment in cans. You can get your pre-mixed Strike Not Rum and Cola or Not Gin and Tonic and take them with you for nights watching movies under the stars. Just go to strike.com, that's S-T-R-Y-K-K dot com, to find out some of my top tips for outdoor movie going. Take a cushion and a jumper. They're among them. And to get 40% off your order when you enter the code JASON40. Cheers, Strike. That's about it for this show. Although I must tell you about In the Heights, which I was off to see, wasn't I, at the end of uh, last week's podcast. So, yeah, I went with my family, my wife and kids. Uh, got great seats at the Picture House Central. There was popcorn and apple juice. Uh, the works. We had it all. And it was fun. It was really good fun, actually. This film is the new one from Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did Hamilton. Uh, and it's about Anthony Ramos's Usnavi who runs a bodega corner shop in Washington Heights, right at the top of Manhattan there. It's about the Latino community there, past and present, about gentrification, roots, and longing for home, wherever that may be. And it's all put across in big dance numbers, some out on the streets or in a swimming pool or in a nail salon or even on the side of a building. The choreography is as witty as the rapt lyrics, especially when there's a lucky lottery ticket sold to someone in the neighbourhood awaiting collection at the El Sueñito Bodega. 96,000. Damn! 96,000. Dollars? Allah! 96,000. That's a lot of spray cans. 96,000. Yo! 
If I won the lotto tomorrow, well, I know I wouldn't bother going on no spending spree. I pick a business school and pay the entrance fee. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll stay friends with me. I'll be a businessman richer than Nina's daddy. Tiger Woods and I on the links, and he's my caddy. My money's making money. I'm going from pole to modo. Keep the bling. I want the brass ring like Frodo. Frodo. Mr. Braggadocio, next thing you know, you're lying like Pinocchio. Yo, if you scared of the bulls, stay out the rodeo. Yo, I got more flows than Obi-Wan Kenobia. Yeah, 96,000. I could do with that. I enjoyed In the Heights. It's very sentimental and sweet. And there's a lack of momentum and drama. Ironically, after there's a big power cut scene, it's slightly underpowered and drags itself a bit towards the end. But nevertheless, Anthony Ramos is hugely likeable all the way through. And the girls, played by Melissa Barrera as Vanessa and Leslie Grace as Nina and Corey Hawkins as Benny, they're all really attractive to watch and listen to. And I liked many of the songs which introduce us to all the characters. It's a bit like Oliver's Who Will Buy scene and the West Side Story Tonight medley all rolled into one and set to that discarga beat. It should be a big, long, hot musical for a long, hot summer. So, Jason's three to see. Uh, the top recommendations stemming from this episode, I'm going to go for Mandarby, absolutely. Uh, State Funeral, as recommended by um, Christopher Hampton. And out of his memories, let's go for East of Eden. Why not? But Dangerous Liaisons, that's always worth revisiting too. Thanks to Christopher Hampton. Thanks, Strike, for the cool drinks. So let's do like they do in the Heights when it's hot and drink a long, cool piragua. Adios. Hey y'all, good morning. Ice cold piragua, pancha, china, cherry, strawberry, and just for today, I got my mate. Oye, piragüero, ¿cómo está? Como siempre, señor Usnavi. I am Usnavi, and you probably never heard my name. Reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated. Exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated because I immigrated from the single greatest little place in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic. I love it. Jesus, I'm jealous of it. And beyond that, ever since my folks passed on, I haven't gone back. God damn, I gotta get on that. 